exactly is an interocity? I don't know. And I don't want to know. Well, I do. I want to know what it is and what it does. Order the list of parts on these pages. How are we going to build it? These symbols, they're like a foreign language. Anyway, we don't know the address. We ordered the condensers from Supreme by teletype. Yeah? Which means that somebody intercepted that order and sent us those beads. Here, try it again. You're too darn smart. Maybe the dumbest man who ever walked this earth, Joe. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. <laughs> I did almost say something else, and I forgot. <laughs> Colin was trying to get us to use our best Rex Reason voice. Yes. So I should have welcomed back. I can't do it. I am James. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we are continuing our march through real future, even though it's only February. Um, huh, you see what I did there? March, February? Yeah. I saw. So, real future. And at this point, we have gotten to This Island Earth by Raymond F. Jones, uh, which is a 1952 novel. Right. And it has a 1955 film adaptation, so we're going to be talking about those. Yes. So, a couple quick facts. The novel was actually collected from three novellas, originally serialized serialized from (laughs) 1949 to 1950 in Thrilling Wonder Stories. The novellas were The Alien Machine, The Shroud of Secrecy, and The Greater Conflict. So, Uh, uh, none of us have any prior history with any of this, right? Absolutely none. No. <laughs> None whatsoever. Colin is sticking with the deep voice. One of us has to be Rex Reason. Right. We should have <laughs> used one of you guys to be Ruth. Uh, so we might as well just jump right in to the, can anybody say what the story is of this one? And of course, if you're just joining us after 73 episodes, um, the story right. is where we try to say what the kind of common thread is between mm-hmm. everything that we right, right. consumed. An interocitor is built. Yep, that's it. <laughs> alien technology is is <laughs> obtained well not even advanced technology is right. found by humans and right, found it, was by, a, it was alien yeah i know but yeah. i guess it was alien in both yeah so so we do start off with cal getting the or no we start off with the uh the condensers order right? shipments shipment orders shipment yes. orders getting intercepted mm-hmm. and uh properly like in the book so that was right. good and then uh Cal Meacham, he's there. He figures out how to build this thing based on these parts. And uh, I think that's about where everything kind of falls apart. Well, and then, yeah, we find <laughs> we find out that the parts are being built for purposes other than just right. advancing technology on Earth. Right. Right. Their purposes to be uh, used in an extraterrestrial war. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. aliens have drawn the humans into that war because mm-hmm. they, they need their help because they're losing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, the book... Uh, this is probably the longest thing that we had in real future. Um, it's a little longer, I think, than Armageddon 2419 AD or whatever it was for Buck Rogers. Okay. I bought right. it from the Kindle store and it's 165 pages, it said. Um, so, like a quick novel. Um, I really liked it, though. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It was I good. liked it, too. I mean, I liked it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Until we until we found out that um, that what was his name in the book? Yargo. I'm just gonna call him Yargo. Okay. Um, because I don't want to say the whole. Yorgos and Norvara. Yes, Yorgos Norvara. Well, the entire time reading the book, after I saw the whole name, I just started calling him Yargo. <laughs> <laughs> Jay. He was, he was obviously a Swedish alien. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I uh, before we found out that he was actually an alien, I wasn't sure if he was or not yet. Mm-hmm. Just I thought maybe he was because um it reminded me of Old Man's War. 
where they're off fighting battles and hiding the fact that Earth exists from everybody else, but still farming Earth. Mm-hmm. So in this case, they're farming Earth for supplies instead of people. Mm. Um, so I thought maybe that's what was going on. Like he, so Yarga is, you know, an actual human, not an alien, but knowing he gets revealed as an alien. Yeah. Spoilers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing that delighted me right off the bat was the Interocitor, because yeah. there's a reference to the Interocitor in UHF, where uh, when, oh, when, yeah, when, when Weird Al first comes in, or George, his character, comes into the UHF station mm-hmm. and meets Philo, chief engineer, and he says, here, hold these, and he gives him these two electrical leads, like, <laughs> look like jumper cables, and says, so what are you doing? Just running an experiment. I just want to see if my interocitor can withstand a sudden charge of 50,000 volts. <laughs> and then there's this big arc, and yeah, it works. <laughs> hold these wires is kind of like the pull, me fing- pull my finger of being a geek. Right. Yeah, so the main character is sent the wrong set of parts. And so he contacts the company and he tries to get other parts and they send him a catalog. Well, first they tell him, no, we didn't, we never received an order, right? Right. The the company that he thinks he's talking to. Mm -hmm. Supreme Electronics. Right. Um, And then it's Unit 16 or whatever that that actually sent him the parts. Yeah. And and then these small small beads (laughs) that are supposed to be the condensers, um, capacitors, we we call them now, Mm -hmm. uh, that can... Withstand thirty three thousand volt or thirty three hundred volts, right? No, no thirty three thousand. Thirty three thousand. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, with no leakage. Oh, of course. Yeah, no streams crossed, and, and pretty high <laughs> capacitance as well, as if I remember right. Right, it was in yeah. the millifarad range. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and so the other thing you all should know is we're all electrical engineers, right. <laughs> and this this book I think was written by right. someone who either had been an electrical engineer or knew an electrical engineer, but not yeah. a nuclear engineer. Dang it! But not a nuclear engineer. <laughs> and, and James has his axe out; he is ready. Yes. But you know they use the the slang for microfarads, which is mm-hmm. mics, right? And everything else. And I'm like, wow, this was written for like electronics geeks, right. like me. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, we had a. It was a 6,000 millifarad capacitor. It was the size of a Coke can. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, Did you weld you, with it? No, but, uh, but you know, we, every now and then, you know, we'd charge it up and then go over there and, and, and short it with a, with a uh, screwdriver and watch the screwdriver go flying. Oh. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People in my lab did that, except they, they arc welded the screwdriver to the leads. Awesome. Yeah. We would charge little tiny capacitors and toss them at people and go, catch. Right. <laughs> ah, <laughs> nice <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> uh right so in the story i'm sorry in the in the book right but that, book. that's always the, that's the trouble with james was the right. one who gave us the name the story even though sometimes we're reading right. a story <laughs> yes so i'm sure that our well, listeners are reading been confused a book or a short right. story or a novel right right that's right. why we go the story right it's capital, capital t yeah capital t capital s yes Cal Meacham, right, is the guy who, who gets those the funky parts yep. and then mm-hmm. gets a catalog from them where the pa- the pages are made of some kind of metal, not not paper. Right. And finds the instructions or find, finds out about the interocitor and orders the parts to build one. And and being, you know, being an electronics geek, Cal says, hey, right. there are no instructions on how to build an interocitor, but there's enough, enough uh, specifications and notes on each one that I should be able to figure out how each component relates to one another. Mm-hmm. And right. he basically reverse engineers things yeah, I thought that was uh, cool. in, a, in a black room configuration. Right. Well, not even, not some, not even reverse engineering though, right? Because he didn't have something to reverse engineer from. Right. Yeah. This yeah. is even, even better than that. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is forward <laughs> engineering. It was like forward engineering. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it reminded me of like, in high school, I got to take an electronics class where basically we, we learned to solder and etch circuit boards. There was like a, Ooh. 
there, there was a heated they bath of, of yeah yeah oh, that's cool um there was a heated bath of the acid for huh. did anybody go right two face in there <laughs> no no well i mean you, you can stick your finger in there and it's not gonna yeah. hurt oh, um darn. i mean that's sad. if you left it in there long enough it would it would etch <laughs> something off but um no like we used uh, nail polish to to write on the uh, copper clad mm-hmm. board. Right. And then you put it in there and you, you just kind of have to keep stirring it around yep. for like 30 minutes for it to etch that's it all cool. down. Wow. That's pretty, pretty gentle etch. Yep. Everything we did was proto board and wire wrapping. Mm. Oh, wire wrap. Wow. <laughs> we wire wrapped an 8 bit microprocessor. Oh, nice. Let I'd... me tell you, that is a job and a half. Mm. No joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but we also, you could, you could order electronic kits and then put them, uh, assemble them like a little robot or, or a little oh. bug that, that actually yeah. moved, you know, had little motors on it and stuff. Um, and so that, that's what this reminded me of with the, the interocitor. <laughs> like the, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was cool. But when the interocitor turns on, Cal learns about the peace engineers. Right. Who are a group of scientists on earth that are working to stop war. Uh, they don't work with any government agencies and they, they're kind of, they're secretive and they give, offer Cal a job. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he takes a job. And there, then he meets Ruth mm-hmm. and Ole, an old friend from college. Right. Uh, and they start building interocitors. And eventually Cal gets put in charge of the plant. And they notice all these funny things happening. Like mm-hmm. the interocitors just seem to disappear. Right. Yeah. And then he – I can't remember how he does it. He just sneaks around and finds basically a flying saucer that's picking them up and taking them into space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, yep. And, of course, their person, their contact there is this guy named – Either Jorgas Novara or Jorgas Novara, um, which I'm curious. Jorgas. If, if it's, I mean, Nova, you know, means new usually, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if, the, if it translates to anything. But it kind of looks like a Swedish name, actually. But It does. Yes. Oh, hi, Jorgas. Jorgas. <laughs> or German, yeah. Yeah, jawohl. <laughs> He's, isn't he really tall? I always pictured him played by the guy who played Mr. Holm in... Uh, this oh. is Star Trek The Next Generation. Loxana yes. Troy's manservant, uh, who's like seven foot three. I was thinking yes. Danny Kaye. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> but well, you said really tall and Danny Kaye popped in my head. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they did it today, they could have like Shaquille O'Neal play him. <laughs> uh, so then, then we learned that there's multiple of these facilities around the Earth and mm-hmm. that they have production problems uh, and that they're actually making these for aliens. Right. Because the technology is way beyond Earth and that they can't they can't resolve it. Uh, and that they um, are essentially making light switches. It's a convenience thing for the aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that Ole and Ruth have this long suspicion that something is going on, mm-hmm. something not good. And so they uh, begin to, I don't know, they form like a little cabal mm-hmm. where they're doing investigations and, and share secrets with one another. And yep. uh, But the plants go bad, they think, due to alien sabotage. Right. And this is this mm-hmm. is after they've been taken to the moon, right? Yes. Um, because they right. try, because uh, Cal tries to sneak away with a bunch of the advanced parts and go to Washington and blow the whistle, right? And they yank him um, back. Yeah. And they yank him, they yank him back and suck him into the saucer and then fly him to the moon. Yeah. And that's where they real, they're, uh, reveal that they're aliens. Right. The, the Lanans, right? Or the, the Lana? Lanans. With two L's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yanans. Yeah. So, because I speak Spanish, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, they're the Yanas. Right. It's Yanni's. Right. <laughs> I knew he was an alien. <laughs> no, no, they just misspelled llama. Right. <laughs> They're all llamas. <laughs> and they're fighting the Guara or the Guara, right? The, Guara. the, the smelly guys. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which uh, one thing I really, really liked was that the book correctly used the word nauseous. Um, because in right. t- today, the use of nauseous is we sub it in instead of saying nauseated. I feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. When in fact, it's 
describing something that causes nausea. So it's a nauseous smell is mm-hmm. a smell that would make you nauseated. So he uses it correctly twice, um, even though you never see that anymore. That's how you can tell it's an old book. Yeah, because it has good grammar. Yes, <laughs> but critical incorrect. Right, I, I do want to. I do want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So then they learn that the Guara have been sabotaging the efforts, right? And that the uh, interocitors are not just light switches; they are central to a large scale war effort that is going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, our aliens, the llamas, they're losing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and that's where the name of the book comes from. Right. Right. So they described how in World War II that as the United States moved across the Pacific, they would come across these islands with with natives and they asked the natives or conscripted the natives into helping them doing Mm -hmm. very, very simple tasks, Mm -hmm. things that were way beyond their their knowledge, but they could still perform. Mm -hmm. um, To help in this larger conflict. To help in this larger conflict. And that's that's exactly what was happening to Earth. So it was this island Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and and so the basically the the situation in the war is that the the Guara are in advance and the Lamas are in retreat, right? <laughs> <laughs> the Lanins are, are in retreat, and the the way the book starts to wrap up is the Lanins are like, well, we're out of here. Sorry. Um, by the way. The Earth is going to be destroyed, right? Um, but yes. you guys can come with us. You two can come with us, Cal and Ruth. Right? Yeah, we'll they find you out. Too. They find out that Oli is a bad guy working for. Or he's a sleeper agent, essentially working yes. for the other guys. Yeah. Um, and that's where the nauseous smell comes in because the the guara, of course, are disgusting. Right. Because people that are different must smell bad, and therefore <laughs> must freak out. Right. And so they, but they go to the the home world, and I, we don't always walk through the plot, but I think in this case, it's. It might be important for the discussion of the movie. Yes. Um, because they right. go to the homeworld and appeal to the council saying, we need you to defend Earth. And they're saying, no, we can't do it. And Cal has this realization that the Lanans are completely dependent on their computers, right. essentially, Everyone for for telling them what to do in, in the war. And he, he, he comes up with the idea, look, you need to trash your computers and be unpredictable. Because the Guara know the moves that you're going to make mm-hmm. because of the computers. And so you're going to lose. If you don't, if you don't start changing things up, are you and they, saying that humans save the day? Humans yes. save the day, yes. Down with machines, you know. Kind of reminded me of the last Starfighter in that in that regard. It, it reminds me <laughs> yeah. a, a little bit of yeah. um, there's early episodes of Buck Rogers where the Earth Defense Forces in their Colonial Vipers or whatever they are. I, I don't. They they were Colonial Vipers, but <laughs> um, <laughs> can't remember what they're called. They're using like targeting computers, like in Star Wars, almost, and yeah, and right. they just keep getting their brains beat in by. Mm-hmm. Um, our doll is people. Use the force. Yeah. And so, so the draconians, draconians, that's right. <laughs> and so, uh, Buck has to, has to tell him, you got to turn off those computers and just go on instinct, man. It's all, you know, the human right. touch. That's right. Natural human. Anywho, I, I think it's quite an enjoyable book. And I, I think the allegory of, of world war two is interesting. Um, where, yeah. because Cal is quite anti-war, right? Cause he had been in the war. And so he did not want, right. he didn't like the idea that science would be used to aid the military. Right. You want it to be used for other purposes. And so the peace engineers, their good marketing, you know, yeah. attracted him. And then he finds out, oh, it's another war. And then eventually kind of figures out, well, I guess we should help them out because otherwise the Kodan will eventually reach Earth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the last Starfighter. Yep. Right? Yeah. Because there's very much that, that in there, right? Where, oh, where, yeah. where, uh, what's his name? Um, Alex. Wants to go back to Earth, and Grig says, "Well, you know, you, you might have a, a long and full life there until the Kodan reach Earth." Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I liked it. I'm glad I read it. I'm trying to think if there's anything important that got missed. Oh, uh, I really like the character of Ruth in the story mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. was pretty much always right. Yes. She knew there was something going on at the plant, 
And then later on, she would go and tell, she told Cal uh, that something was really wrong with Ole, but mm-hmm. she didn't know what. Right. Uh, He's like, no, I've known him for years. He was a sleeper agent. Yeah. And I think there was a third thing. And so unlike, unlike in the movie where <laughs> Ruth's job is to scream, mm-hmm. um, she yeah, was actually kind of, right all the time. And, yet, and Cal, you know, ignored her every time and then had to learn that she was right. Right. So you're saying they shortchanged that character in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, she was a sissy, right? You made, <laughs> made that clear. Uh, so maybe uh, we should move on to the movie. Movie on. Anything else about the story? What did you think, James? Did you like it? The story? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I think James has a, James has oh, right. a major yeah, plot we, issue that do, needs to be Do we want to get to the, the do, critical thing? Now? We do want to get to what you're critical of. All right. Go, All right well, right. G- give people the background on why you, why you know about this stuff. <laughs> you are critical about criticality. Right. Well, I know about this stuff because I was, on a, uh, I was a nuclear engineer on a submarine for several years. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. And I, I know reactor physics and theory and, and things like that. Nice. So, in Real Future Book, on page... Oh, on page. 257. Ooh. Turn in your Bibles. There is a line where Cal... I think it's Cal says. Oh, yeah. He says, I've done what I can, but your requirements place too much strain on our peculiar human nature. It's like a reactor building the critical mass. So, <laughs> without critical mass, it doesn't, it doesn't react, right? It, yeah, without critical mass, it doesn't produce power. So what was when he meaning? When a reactor reaches critical mass, it's stable and producing power. Right. Well, he's he's implying here that that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's so about to blow up. Rephrase it. What what would he have said? Uh, super critical mass. There we go. Would okay. be more accurate. Yeah, because in the Manhattan Project, they were trying to create a critical mass pile of radium. It was the original pile. It was uh, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. 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 Underground in Chicago. Yeah. And it was literally just a pile. <laughs> Right, but they were trying to get it to be big and, and heavy enough to cl- to uh, mm-hmm. react. Yeah, Doctor Ian Malcolm stepped by and said, "That is one big pile of radium." Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's the three phases: subcritical, critical, and supercritical. Okay. Subcritical, you're coming up to neutron in uh, equilibrium. Right? Okay. So when the same amount of neutrons are being created and not created at the same time. Right. It couldn't have been radium. It was something else. Sure, it wasn't uranium. Could have been. <laughs> uranium is the the most likely. Right. Radium, I think, is what they used to paint the watches to glow in the dark, and then all the all watch painters got oh. radioactive poisoning on their tongues. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Because the radium actually went and secreted itself back mm-hmm. in their bones. Do you ever hear about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't read Radium Girls though, so it's worth a read. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. You read that one? No. Okay. Well, Emily basically read it to me, so. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Emily, can I have a story before bed? Listen to this part. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> nice. We have bedtime stories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, movie. Uh, 1955 movie. Uh, with Rex Reason. With Rex Reason and... Um, I wrote it down here. And the professor from Gilligan's Island. Yes. Russell Johnson. Russell Johnson. And Jeff Morrow, who is Exeter, who is essentially... Yorgos Navarro. He's kind of a mashup of several characters. Yeah, and and yeah. was it Dr. Howard? The plant manager. Yeah. And the guy who also talks, because it's the same guy that talks to him on the inner roster. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's character consolidation. I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Um, and Faith Gilmerge. I, I have no idea how to pronounce. Right. Uh, she plays Ruth. Right. Um, but yes, Rex Reason has this this very clarion voice you know it's deep and he projects very well yes and of course he's this studly guy who has his own jet you know <laughs> yes um, i'm a nuclear scientist and i fly my own jet right yeah that's pretty rad actually <laughs> yes it uh so the movie is not what you would call a close adaptation there's a lot of the first half of the movie 
pulls a lot from the book. Yeah. And then it then it just goes in a completely different direction. Yeah. Not completely. It's still aliens are still involved. Um but they're not on the moon, they're on Metaluna. Yes. And it's not they're not they're never described as the Lannins and the other people aren't the Guara, they're the Zagon. Zagons. Yes. Yes. That are bombarding them. Of course the planet used to be a comet or the comet used to be a planet. Or- the Zagons. <laughs> no, the Zagons yeah. planet used to be a comet. Used to be yeah. a like, comet. What? <laughs> yeah. So it, it the first half kind of sticks fairly close to the book and the second half is a, a big exercise in do you even science though? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I I think it would have worked. It galaxy spirals out oh, of control. To stick with the plot as written in the book? Yeah. Yeah. It, there would have been a lot less action. Yes. Right. I will say this. I still thought it was great. I I think it, as a 50 science fiction movie, I, I thought it was terrific. They didn't save the day. They missed that whole part. They missed the whole theme of humans yes. saving the day. They did. Yeah. And and Earth was never really in any danger. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, and if so, the humans had if the humans hadn't been there, the same thing would have happened. So right. it's almost like Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> so why even bother? <laughs> yeah. And and the thing the major thing that's missing, and I think this is you referred to it earlier, right? Is there is no sense there's no reason the movie should be called This Island Earth. Even even though it adapts part of the story, that whole allegory of World War II is completely absent. Yeah. Unless you are unless you know about it from the book. Right. Yeah, but I would assume, like in most things science fiction, that many, many more people have seen the movie rather than the book, and they're wondering, well, why was this called This Island Earth? Right. You know, why was this called 8 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh, hey, by the way, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust in right here. It Yesterday was our fifth anniversary of podcasting. Yesterday? Was, yesterday. Wow. That was on, on five years ago yesterday, we recorded the final version of our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> it took three tries. Um, but so happy anniversary, you guys. You know? Yeah, happy anniversary. That's cool. All right. So. Fist pumps all around. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So despite despite that, and despite the changes, and I, I know it's not a, a close adaptation in a lot of ways, and it's it's kind of two different movies mashed together. But I still I still think as a right. '50s movie, the '50s science fiction movie, it's it's really good. So you know, it's not a serious movie. It's not serious like the story is. True, but it was fun. I mean, there were several things that they that they went through and did where we were just like laughing mm-hmm. out loud. Yep. Um, Oh, it's got a bunch of great matte paintings in it, which yeah, I, I thought like were the, fantastic. I like the uh, yeah. matte paintings in the, when they reach Metaluna. Yeah. That was cool. And was I liked neat. I liked the the makeup job on the Lannins or, you know, whatever the they llamas, were. The llamas, yeah, they looked pretty um, good. Yeah. Um, they didn't look like llamas, but they looked pretty good. No. And, you know, this is one problem. Like, in the book, uh, Yorgos Navarra is described as being tall, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the only eerie thing about him, right? He doesn't look alien. Because right. he describes, you know, how there's many planets in the Lannin Empire, mm-hmm. and some of them... People look basically mm-hmm. like humans, right? Um, where here, there, it's a little more uncanny, right? You come in, and you, right. you see a couple of there them. Is, you're like, there's what's with the different. what's with yeah. the butt head, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've you've got a high forehead and some really really white hair, but your forehead right. is like ten inches high. <laughs> they kind of look like, and I mentioned this, the characters from that original story where they have to feed Vol. Yes. So the one of the other. Um, one of the plot points in the, in this movie is that essentially the peace engineer people, the, the Metalunans are going to have to leave Metaluna because they're losing and they're going to go to earth and become the rulers of earth more or less because they're superior. Right. And they're going to overwrite people's master boot record so that they're okay with it, which reminded me of empire of the right. ants, right? They're going to, they're going to use the pheromones to have the, right. uh, I can't remember what it was. <clears throat> the movie empire of the ants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. 
They use a pheromone to brainwash him, essentially. Yes, to make Joan yeah. Collins do what you want her to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it also reminded me of, of uh, the robot battalion from, from Buck oh, Rogers, right. the, <laughs> yes. the movie serial. <laughs> Here, we're going to put this 50-pound helmet on your head. Yes. <laughs> One of the other fun science-y things is their neutrino rays. I'm like, right. do you know anything about neutrinos? Because you're not going to burn a Probably hole in, in lead with neutrinos. They're mm. just going to pass right on through. <laughs> so did anyone object to the naming of the cat? What was the name of the cat? Neutron. And why did they call him that? Oh, because of the positive. Yeah. Because he was more positive. <laughs> right. That's, their explanation was stupid. <laughs> neutrons are more, are more positive, positive than electrons. But protons are more positive right. than neutrons. Yeah. I guess that's not completely Well, what, I guess what I'd say is most cats are negative. Therefore, if he's more positive, that gets him into neutron. I don't think any cat could ever get to proton. <laughs> have, you, have you come to my house and met Cogs? <laughs> yeah, I have. Okay. Does anybody remember what the line was that, where we all... <laughs> cracked up and thought it he was about to tell them about the birds and the bees you know you're about to go oh, through right. some fantastic changes you know <laughs> and we're all like puberty <laughs> I'll have to, you're gonna see some strange things yes i'll have to uh, I'll have to drop that drop it in right here look the two of you are beginning a strange journey a journey that no earth people have ever undertaken before yeah they got yeah. intubated yes <laughs> So you're going to experience some strange things. And- <laughs> yep. you got hormones raging through your body. <laughs> that was all. The special effects, I think, were pretty good for 1955. Yeah. I didn't notice any framing mm. or, or uh, wires or anything else. Right. Right. Certainly better than the Buck Rogers Except stuff. Except the god-awful annoying tones. <laughs> yeah, what oh is up God. with... Like, everything we've watched from here has... From, from Real yeah. Future recently Jeez. seems to have annoying sounds in it. I, like, I the ants were, were the, terrible. They were the inspiration for Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> But other yes. than that, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting that the mutant was actually a mute ant. Mute um, ant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the way they said, this is a mute ant. <laughs> and it looked kind of like the aliens from Mars Attacks. Only, yeah, that's only bigger. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the kind of brain looking right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked your Brundlefly analogy. That was pretty good too. Well, that was when he was flying around and or not flying around, crawling around and he was all bloodied and that kind of stuff. So they were a subservient class created by the mm-hmm. by the llamas. Right. I mean, I admit, my putting on my inner Colin, you know, I wanted to see the Guarans, you know, I wanted to see them in their weird suits that had their own atmosphere and stuff in it. Right. Um, and, the, and the stinkiness and that kind of stuff. That's, That's whether or not they look like Gorn. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool. It's kind um, of what I imagined they look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. James, what did you think of the movie? I thought that was pretty good for 1950s. Yeah. But I really liked the matte paintings on... Uh, um, on Metaluna? Metaluna. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Metaluna... Well, they were cool. I liked a lot of the art design of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I mean, it's like, you know, it's an hour and 25 minutes. It's right. it's it's not going to waste your time. Um, to me, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'd recommend that At least that it movie. wasn't sloggish. It went, no. It went pretty good. Got the pretty, pretty good pace throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the first half. I think the um, that dude who ever played Kyle Meacham did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his voice. With his voice. Yes. Imitating the god man. <laughs> uh, okay, that was interesting. Was was we've noticed this a couple other times where where they'll shoehorn in a mention of God in mm-hmm. some way in oh, fi- yeah. in fifties science seemed, fiction movies. That yeah. seemed kind of out of place, right there. Though. Yeah, it, it did because the the monitor or who, whoever it right. was 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 telling him, you know, you you're insignificant and you think you're the, you're the greatest. You know, you think they're you're larger than you are, and right. our true size is the size of our God. And then they just moved right on. What? <laughs> <Yep>. Check. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, not a lot of social commentary, not a lot of science fiction no. prognostication. 
No. And and so it's it's one of those adaptations that takes the not the central premise, but the mm-hmm. established pre- establishing premise, you know, with the the future technology and the you know the bead condensers right. and that kind of stuff, and then takes it in a slightly different direction. And I don't know why. I mean, in the fifties, you would think that the this island Earth references would have worked well at that time. Maybe so. it was too sensitive for them. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, taking over a a less sophisticated race. And I literally mean taking them over and yeah. forcing them to work on your project, whether they're right. you know assembling munitions mm-hmm. or servicing planes or doing whatever. It talks about slavery. Yeah. And 1955 was you know ten years before the civil rights era, really. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe it was uncomfortable. Maybe but, they didn't want to bring it up. But that's that's <laughs> the thing, though. I feel like science fiction should be that mirror that we hold up to society, right? Right. And and there, it well, definitely it, has been in places. It is in the written form. Right? It is. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, but we, you look back all the way to episode number one, since we're talking about. Five years ago. Um, <laughs> and if you've never listened to that one, good for you. <laughs> it took us some time to, to figure out what we're doing. I mean, I still think it was a good episode, but um, it took me a while to figure out how to do normalization. So we have we have a lot of variance in the, the volume level of our episodes oh, for, for like the first <laughs> six or seven of them. Well, in one of those first six or seven, uh, we forgot to plug in the microphones. Yeah, I know. Right. That's my yeah. favorite one, too. <laughs> well, Jurassic Park. Jurassic yeah. Park and the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But back to that, um, you know, the the day the Earth stood still had that, that message about nuclear disarmament in it, which mm-hmm. was, you know, not exactly mainstream at the time. Right. Well, and if I remember right, didn't either the author or the people that made the movie get in trouble? Yeah, get somebody put was on the red list? Blacklisted, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so maybe they had... Uh, a script, and I have to confess, I haven't gone as as far researching this particular movie as as I have done others. But it makes you wonder if there was a script, and the the censors went, "You can make this, but then you'll probably never make anything else." Yeah, right. So dumb down the woman and take out these mentions about how if we all work together, then we can beat the other people. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, I mean, and now, now that you mentioned the nuclear thing from Farewell to the Master, <laughs> and. It was odd how they switched that in the movie. So he's an electronics engineer, and then there's, or well, I guess he was a nuclear engineer. But I think it would have taken an electronics engineer to do what he was doing. Yes. And then they swat, and then they move it over into the whole nuclear power thing. Well, they were trying to harm, harness atomic power into electronics, right? That they they did yeah, say it's that. Yeah, called a steam plant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rex was going to invent something much more sophisticated. Yeah. That, that whole thing was kind of dumb. I didn't really get that. Well, I think back in the day, there really wasn't that much difference between a nuclear engineer and an electronics engineer. I mean, there's a lot of electronics involved and, yeah, a lot of um, instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But not this harnessing that he's talking about. <laughs> no. No. And I, I wish I had the techno L phrase where he says, I'm going to combine disparate elements for the util- or for the propagation of nuclear. No, no. He's going to convert yeah. Convert. Convert disparate elements. Yes. Yeah. Because he was going to, that's right. In the end, right. he was going to turn lead into Because he was uranium. trying to turn lead, yeah, lead into uranium. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like back in the other you know, Nazis trying to turn lead into gold or whatever. <laughs> yes. Well, for that, you need the Philosopher's Stone. Right. right. Yes. Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. So it's interesting. It's, this is a pretty well-regarded movie. Five point nine on IMDb, which isn't fantastic, but it's not bad either. Seventy-one percent on the Tomato Meter. Wow. Critical score. Forty-five right. percent from audience, though. So that's because they don't know a good matte painting when they see them. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Anything else we want to say about this one? That's about it. Okay. 
Nope. So at some point, we'll get back to the real future. The next story in order in here is the illustrated man. And we need to talk to Phil about what exactly we need to do for that, because he's got some insight into what was actually turned into the film. And I kind of suspect we might have to do more than one film because the Velt is in the illustrated man collection. So we we could split it out or we could do it all at once, but we'll talk to Phil about that one and, and do that at a later time. We could move on to the seventh victim, which became the movie, the 10th victim. Ooh. Or we could pick up Emily's request. What do you think? Well, we better do that. Yeah? Yeah, she's been waiting. Okay. <laughs> he has chosen wisely. So her request is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. By that guy with that last name that I just butchered. Huxley. <laughs> Hux- Aldous Hux- Huxley. Huxtable? No. Um, Huxley. There we go. Huxley. Mr. Huxley. I can do it. It can be done. Huxley. All right. Now I want you to say Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. Okay, it's just me. Yep. <laughs> it didn't want to come out. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, and so that is a book. Yep. And it is a book. And it's yeah, two yeah, yeah. television miniseries, so we'll have to decide how comprehensive we want to be and how much we want to watch together. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we might want to get right on it because it is quite a lot of... I've already started reading the books, so, huh? Oh, nice. What do we have for a blessing? Something with may your interoceter never malfunction or something. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. <laughs> may you never be put in the Transformers pod. <laughs> may the spaceship rise to meet you and your interoceter never malfunction. <laughs> may Ole truly be your friend. <laughs> Ole! I think we're done here. Are we done here? <laughs> Ole kept reminding me of salsa. Like, Ole! Ole! Salsa. <laughs> you remind me of Oki from church. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, so so give us a blessing, Seth. Yeah, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I liked what what James was saying. So why don't you do it? No, oh, all right. Uh, I forgot what it was now. No. <laughs> <laughs> may the may the spaceship rise as it meets you, and your interocitor never malfunction. Yes, I like it. Cool. And of course, you can find us on Facebook Pavement Podcast. Well, pavement. Of course, you can. <laughs> Seth forgot how to use his mouth this morning. I did. You can find us on Facebook at That's Pavement Podcast. And we can use that same phrase as our Twitter. What is Twittering? Twitter yes. handle <laughs> Pavement Podcast. We do not have an Instagram account because you don't want to see us. <laughs> True. Touche. <laughs> There's some pictures of us on the on the site. They're doctored. <laughs> okay. Anyhow. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Whoa. That was like 8 dB. Sorry about that. Nice. And, and that was on the one in the middle of the table. <laughs> yeah. uh, better, better have that mattress cleaned before yeah, you use it. Oh, no, no. I, I sneezed on the printer. Oh, oh even better. Turn on. It's like. Yeah. <laughs>